Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by one of the singing family popular in the 70s. The Cowsills have defined harmonies long before anyone else thought of it. Their latest EP is a Christmas time offering from the Cowsills. We welcome Paul Cowsill. Hey, Sean. Hey, everybody in Lubbock. How you doing? Merry Christmas. Absolutely great, Paul. Let's go beyond the mic. The documentary family band, The Cowsills Story, talks about your band's rise and fall. No need to bring up the emotional, mental, and physical abuse you suffered at the hands of your dad. I want to know if the holidays are still a special time for you and your family. You know, Sean, dad was an outlier, right? Because my mother loved Christmas. Really? And, I mean, I, and she, she must have had that guy right wrapped around her finger because Christmases were huge in our family. One time it was bike Christmas. There were seven bikes in that living room. And when we would come down in the dark and look at it, we'd be going, oh my God. So our mom loved Christmas. And, and you know, she never let Christmas be a bummer no matter what was happening. I mean, there are a couple of Christmas I can remember that were kind of weird, but she always brought it through and, and she was the best at Christmas. She loved Christmas and we all love Christmas because of her love for Christmas. Talk about why Christmas time song for Marissa is important for you. Because we've never had a Christmas song out. First of all, in all the years, the councils were out and, uh, and Bob had written that song, uh, like in the eighties, he had this, you know, he would just pluck it out on his guitar telling me, Hey, look at, listen to this, listen to this, but I don't know what we should write about, you know? And, and, uh, and then he thought it would be an instrumental, which was kind of funny, <laughs> but then he had uh, his daughter, Marissa, his youngest, um, was an ICU baby. She came out a bit early and we were all there at the ICU and all of a sudden Bob realized, and it was around Christmas time that she was in the ICU and Bob realized, Hey, this is going to be a Christmas song. And it just was, it's so great. You know, it's not like we took a rock song and threw Christmas words on it. Uh, this is a traditional Christmas song. And Omnivore, who is our record company now, they just loved it. And they thought it was great. And they they were really pushing to get it out last Christmas. But we thought they decided that in uh, November, which seems a little late, you know. And so having it out this year, though, is fantastic. It's finally seen the day of light. And I think people are going to love it just because it's, our, our, our people anyway, um, they're going to love it because it's a traditional Christmas song. It's not a rock song with words put to it. What makes recording again so invigorating for you? I'll tell you, recording is just the funnest place. It's like a playground, you know, and this particular time we did Rhythm of the World, which is the new album that we put out last year, and this kind of stuff, we don't have anybody looking over our shoulder. I mean, we can literally go in there and do whatever it is we want. Because on the EP, we do an acapella version of Winter Wonderland. And uh, boy, we just said, hey, let's do that. And we were able to go out and on the, get on the mics and, and nail it. And it's just, it's just wonderful to have it out. And I'm just glad it's a traditional Christmas carol. Paul, you've been challenged again and again, and your family keep bouncing back. How resilient has this family been yeah. over these well, decades? I mean, this family just doesn't give up. Yeah, we don't. It's it's really, you're, Sean, you couldn't have hit the nail on the head any closer. And it's just that we just love this. And remember now, Susan, when this all got going, she was like seven. So she can certainly say, well, my whole life has been this. So what else would I do? You know, and but the rest of us, you know, we've all done certain things in our lives, other jobs and stuff. But it always comes back to this. And that's because we just love each other. 
I mean, we love being together, you know, back in the heyday, um, we stuck together like glue. I mean, we, nothing got in our force zone, you know, and even dad, he, we would come in there, but you know, we always just look to the good. We always just wanted to think about the good and, and, and it carries on in this livelihood and, you know, and we have our own kids and, and, you know, it's all about happy, you know, uh, our parents think, look at Sean, they came out of the depression area. So our parents, you know, who knows what got their brains going, you know, and, and, uh, but we have always been happy kids and I know we're not kids anymore, but when we're on that stage or we're in that studio, we're back to being kids. So interesting. You talk with Bob and Susan on the Cow Sills podcast. You've had John Stamos, Jay Osmond, and a collection of stars. Why did that start? And as you continued it, what did it allow you to do? Well, so about two years ago, I think we've been doing it two years. Yep. Uh, somebody in our on our team said, hey, you guys need to do a podcast. You know, and Susan was going, oh, yeah, that would be fantastic. And me and Bob, we're trying to figure out what a podcast is. <laughs> I mean... Literally, we thought it was blogging or we didn't quite know that we were going to have to learn Zoom and, and be on Zoom and and do these podcasts. But I got to tell you, Sean, after the first podcast, we had so much fun because, you know, we Zoom it. So we're literally in each other's house and it, and it's just it just became the funnest thing. And, and me and Bob, we marvel at how much we love doing it because at first it was like, oh, man, you know, we're kind of like snow day kids. You know, oh, we don't, we'll do it tomorrow kind of thing, you know, but, and because the podcast, Sean, once you start it, you've got to, uh, people are expecting a new episode every Wednesday. So you've got to stay with it. And I thought that might be a problem, but it wasn't at all. We love doing the podcast and, you know, it's just, you can be yourself, you know, we can decide what's going on and all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty fun to do. I'll tell you, if you've never done one, you got to do one. Paul Calcil <laughs> from the Calcils joins us beyond the mic for the Rocky Nate. Paul, all this is is eight random questions. Yeah. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. There's no pressure. Yeah, I love it. After losing your brother to Hurricane Katrina, does it hurt when it storms? It does not. It does not hurt when it storms. I love storms still. And Barry loves storms as well. Some happen. But, you know, he was loving the hurricane. We all loved the hurricanes. I mean, we didn't know it was going to be Katrina, but we grew up on the East Coast, so we always had those Atlantic hurricanes coming up. We used to go get on on tops of little outsheds and jump off of those with capes on like we were super Superman. And, and we always loved the hurricanes, and our mom would always, like at night, if it came in at night, she'd wake us up, and we'd all run outside and be in the hurricane. Now, listen, Katrina was a horse of a different color, right? But but at the same time, Susan was calling us, and she's going, man, we got a hurricane coming. Ah, they're telling everybody to get out of town, but we're going to stay here because, you know, it's a hurricane. We've been in a million hurricanes. Well, that was a different hurricane, and uh, and it did, it took our brother Barry for sure. And, uh, and yeah, so it's a, it's a sad thing, but. We do love storms. <laughs> Who is the one person you get a smile from when they call? It's either my brother Bob or my sister Susan or my brother John, honestly, or my kids or my grandkids. Oh, okay. You got me, Sean. I forgot about the grandkids. Oh, that's because I'm 72. But no, when the grandkids call, because, you know, you always got to call the grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the rule I have. Don't call me. I'll call you. Um, and so, but when, because I didn't want the pressure on them, Sean, I remember my parents going, man, you never call. 
well, whatever, you know, and so I didn't want my grandkids or my kids to worry about that. I kind of regret that now because I do have to still call them to, to get them on the phone. But my, when my grandkids call me, I get so excited and so happy because uh, they thought of me. What chore do you hate doing? Huh. I, none. I love chores. I love working. There's nothing I don't like doing. I mean, I've done them all too. I've cleaned Andy Gumps, which are porta potties, and I've cleaned bathrooms in my life, and I've done everything. And I enjoy getting up and getting to it. Which construction project was your favorite you ever completed? I think it was a house in Encino, California. It was uh, it was the one few times that the architect and me really uh, bonded and became friends. That and never so happens. we were, yeah, yeah, ever. Never. And, uh, but me and him hit it off. And you know what? Honestly, Sean, I think he kind of remembered the band. <laughs> I, I, I hate to use that, but I really do believe that, you know, and, and I kind of could tell. And, but I, I let it roll and we had just a wonderful, wonderful time building this house. How about your best memory from Helen Reddy? Oh my God. She was the sweetest gal ever. And they were so nice to me. Uh, they, they picked me up when I was, had just gotten out of the service. I didn't know what the heck I was up to. Didn't know what was happening. And I got a call from a sound company. I went to work for the sound company. He put me out on Helen Reddy's show. And then, and then I became Helen Reddy's road manager because we just all fell in love with each other. She was just fantastic. Paul, how about your favorite Christmas present and who gave it to you? My parents. And it was the bike. We had a bike Christmas. There were set, well, there were six bikes and a tricycle underneath the tree that year. My mother loved Christmas and my old man hated it, you know, and he, you know, I know he saw dollars and all that kind of stuff. And he was kind of a bah humbug kind of guy. I don't know how him and my mom hooked it up, but cause she was all about Christmas. I mean, she was just like a kid with it. And we, and Christmas never disappointed, no matter how poor we were or how, you know, how little we had during a year, you know, my mom made sure Chris I know she sent my old man into debt but boy she put it on and it was the greatest you can ask any one of my siblings how Christmas was at our house and it was something else favorite moment <laughs> from the happy together tour the favorite moment was the first year we finally got out there and we you know and we just kept thinking you know we can hang with these people we, we're okay we're, we can do this it took a long time for us because everybody on the happy together tour had other ideas about us you know just with the upcoming the bubble gum just whatever and uh they finally gave us a shot and this will be our 10th year in a row and they told us when they gave us our shot the agent and they've been the producer of the show says look at we're bringing you out this summer but don't expect to come back next summer nobody does two in a row nobody like that and this is our 10th year in a row <laughs> and we open the show up Sean it's so fun we you know we love the show we love watching all the acts because we're we're enjoying it just like the people in the audience you know when the association are singing Cherish man I'm remembering the 7th grade or, or the 6th grade at the dance when you're all sweaty and you're thinking oh I like this girl but you know all you do is sweat you don't say anything <laughs> so so <laughs> that is my fondest memory of it who is more competitive you bob or susan me why uh, bob well me and bob are very competitive with each other you know like we'll go out on tour and i'll i'll go out there and i'll go man i've been working out i'm feeling great and all of a sudden bob will go hey i'm gonna start working out and in fact i 
talked to him. Well, you know, cause we do the podcast two weeks ago. He told, he doesn't tell me he's working out. I go, Hey, so are you going to be available at noon? He goes, well, I got to go to the gym first and then we can do it after that. You know, and I'm going, and I didn't go, Whoa, you're working out, huh? Like that. So, so I know he is. And so I am as well. And, you know, but we're very competitive. We, the councils, all seven of us, we were so competitive. I mean, it didn't matter what we were playing. Tiddlywinks, man, or Monopoly. You know, everybody's trying to cheat. Our brother Dick, he always cheated in Monopoly. And that's how competitive we were. We were really competitive. We're talking to Paul Council beyond the mic, and it's time for the back half. Music went through the bubblegum, pitch perfect, acapella phase, but... What has been lost in the music since the years of pop harmonies? I think melodies. I think, you know, melodies and a burst chorus kind of thing, you know, burst chorus bridge. That's kind of missing. You know, I know that the country Western people, they're, they're kind of there, you know, they're kind of where we were all at in the sixties and seventies, as far as harmony and uh, what a song sounds like a uh, country and Western. Now it sounds like pop music to me, which I love. I love country and Western music, uh, but you know, it, it's more pop now. And, uh, and yeah, it was just, uh, great. How is your fan still singing hair at the top of their lungs when you're on yeah. tour to this day make you feel? It makes us feel fantastic. It makes us feel, it makes us realize that the baby boomers are, our demographic is wide I mean, it's long. It's like Susan is 64, Bob 74, but you can go up to 80 and all the way down, I think, to 63. And that's a demographic of people that all grew up the same way. We didn't have MTV. We didn't have VH1. We would hear the radio. We'd hear a song. We'd find out what band it was and then go find them and then go to the show. And what's happening now are people, are people 70, 80, doesn't matter. They're still going to shows. And when, Sean, when I talk to them, they go, well, this is how, how it was when I was a kid. We'd go to the concerts. And so that's how I'm going to go out. And, 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 you know, everybody goes, well, how long do you think you're going to do that? You know, and we're going to keep going out as long as these people be coming. And we can play to 10,000 people between the ages of, you know, 65 and, and 80. And, and the seats will be folded and you're wondering, oh my gosh, look what they did. They got in a car and they drove it in the dark and then had to get out of the car and walk through the parking lot, make their way. Sean, it's so funny in the lobby when everybody's in the auditorium, if you go up to our lobbies, the, every wall has a scooter on it or a walker on it or all these canes are leaned up against the, the walls and all those people are in there and they're going to sit in there for three hours <laughs> and they wouldn't have it any other way. According to them, they wouldn't have it any other way. I would say treat people the way you want on the way up because you'll surely meet them on the way down. Right. Can you describe the passion this family's had for music and entertaining for over 60 years? Yep. I think it's because we started so young and we started so young and we just loved it. And boy, do we love music and do we love harmonizing and all of that. So that the passion, you know, thank God for the people that still remember us, you know, because it's kind of a drag if you have passion for something only you are doing, <laughs> you know, it's nice to have passion when other people are involved and, and the people out there, our fans and, and just the uh, John Q public um, have been so terribly nice to the councils the whole way up. Maybe they felt a little bad for us because they oh man, but <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it. What's the one thing that gives you hope for the world? 
love, love. Look at the councils have been through this all the last time the councils were out. We had civil unrest. We had civil rights issues. We had a war nobody wanted to be a part of. And we had, you know, people leaving the White House because they lied. And so, so for the councils, we feel like we're right where we're supposed to be right at the right time. Just spread a little happiness, a little love in our music. And, you know, our podcast, we don't deal with no, no, no governmental stuff, no religion. It's just happy, happy. Look, at, there's a space in everybody's life in their day that take some time and just be happy. And, and that's kind of like where we're at, you know, we might be, I don't know, uh, what was, you know, uh, a poly, Pollyanna about it. But, you know, when I'm in my 70s, if I'm still thinking love and peace and happiness, well, that's fine. <laughs> now, let's sneak in one more. How has music soothed your soul after all these years? You know, it's calmed me down. Uh, early on, we've gone through some stuff. That, during the bubblegum thing, people were, back in the day, people were labeling all of this music. Even though it was coming out of the same speaker, off the same radio station, which was unique. Um, and, and oh, I'm losing my, what was the question? I'm sorry. Oh, and so now, as time has gone by, uh, you know, the people that like 10 years after, those 70-year-olds who love 10 years after, well, they're loving the cow shows now, you know, because because the the titles of all the different music is gone. And now it, it's just music and, oh, they can sing. And so that's what makes me happiest is that here we are, you know, in our 70s and our 60s, and we're being accepted by everybody. Even the Jimi Hendrix fan is liking the cow shows. So that's a be- that's a beautiful thing. So, Paul, will we see Cow Sills the next generation soon? Yes. Well, I'll tell you, the grandkids have already been on stage. My grandkids have been on stage and, and done a show with us. In the Cow Sills now, uh, our rhythm guitar player is my son, Brendan Cow Sill, and he is one of our singers. And then on keyboard, I gave up keyboard playing because I just wanted to have fun up on stage, has been taken over by Ryan Cow Sill, my brother Bob's son. And so we are still a family band. My sister, our drummer Russ is my sister's husband. So we're still a family band and, and we, and, and it's fantastic to be out with the kids, you know, cause they're loving it. God love them. I mean, you know, they're 40 and they're, you know, putting all their time into our music from the sixties. And, you know, they say they love it. They love the music of the sixties because, you know, that's what was playing in the house as they were growing up. And so, so that is the most beautiful thing about still being able to play and go on stage is that we didn't have to hire side guys. We had our kids. It's all about family. Yeah. It's time for one big question with Paul Council from the Council's Beyond the Mic. Paul, if you could say one thing to your mom and dad after seeing the success and the future of the Cow Sills continuing, what would it be? I would say I love you guys, and I'm sorry that you missed. Oh, you're going to make me cry here, Sean. What's up with this? Um, but I'm I'm sorry that they missed everything that we were able to achieve after they left, and and they also missed our grandkids growing up. You know, they miss that. And my mother loved baseball when my son got drafted into the major leagues, you know, uh, a time back and she missed all of that. So, so I'm sorry that they've missed everything, but we certainly love them. Where can people find you online? Well, they can go to cowsill.com, which is our website and, and you can get to everybody and anybody off of that. But you know, if you're looking for music, 
just go to all the places you stream. You know, I heard that this was an EP and I'm going, wow, an EP. And I'm thinking I'm going to have a, a vinyl in my hand or I'm going to have a CD in my hand. But it, there's, and then I found out, well, no, Paul, you have to digital doubt. It's a digital download only. And I go, well, how are our people going to know how to get to a digital download only? They need to have a hard copy in their hands. So I think what we're going to do is maybe print it, you know, press some CDs of it and have it with us out on tours and stuff like that. I'm trying to talk Bob into uh, and Susan into us doing that, you know, because uh, because I, I just hope everybody can get to the digital download. Because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> he jumped off sheds with a cape during hurricanes, remembers his first bike, and can't wait for you to hear the Cow Sills EP, a Christmas offering from the Cow Sills. Paul Cowsill. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Thanks, Sean. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic. If you're enjoying these conversations, please check out another Beyond the Mic episode to find more actors, artists, and people you need to know. We'd also appreciate a like and subscribe on the Good Pods app.